Good morning, welcome to chapel. I'd invite everyone to put away your iPads and iPhones and homework and enter into this time of worship. To start, we'll sing number 12 in the blue hymnal, Come Let Us All Unite to Sing, number 12. And I'd invite you to stand. Remain standing and we'll sing number eight. Brethren, we have met to worship. Number eight in the blue hymnal. There'll be a little um, introduction here.
our grandmother's prayers. We are here today because long ago, a woman dared to trust in the future, dared to risk for the sake of life and love. We are our grandfather's dreaming. We are here today because long ago, a man dreamed of something beyond himself. We are the breath of our ancestors. We are here today because of a long line of people who passed on the love that breathed life into us. We are the Spirit of God. We are here today because the Spirit of God has been moving throughout time, across generations, to create life, to create us. Praise, Praise be to, to God, God, the Spirit, Spirit of, of life, alive in us. Amen. Welcome to this Grandparents' Day Chapel. We light this lamp, this Christ lamp, as a reminder of Christ's presence here with us, the presence of the cosmic Christ that has hovered over the earth since the beginning of time. We now invite you to join in a time of passing the peace, greeting each other, affirming our common roots, our common ties as children of God.
They exactly. They just do those things. Yeah. Uh, how do I do that? Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, so does anybody do you, does anybody have a phone? Something? I no? do. You do? Yeah. yeah? Okay. Uh, let's say that I'm a college student, right? And I've got lots of homework to do, and I'm 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 going downtown from the college to the the coffee shop because I just I want to get lots of things done. Um, but as I'm going, I, I, I'm just, you know, trucking downtown, and then I realize I forgot my backpack. How did I forget my backpack? Okay, so I start texting, right, because, you know, you have to. And then, as I'm doing that, uh, two people come up behind me, and they grab me. They grab the phone. They throw me on the ground. And then they leave me for dead. And while I'm laying there, a pastor comes by. Scripture of the day. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Wise ones to live by. Mm -hmm. Oh no, I'm going to be late to the food bank. Help. Help. We do need help. All you college students drinking all the time. <laughs> <laughs> So then uh, he just passed right on by, and after that, a mother came by with her daughter. Okay, honey, do you have everything for your soccer game? Your cleats, your shoes, mother. your socks, all of your basketball? Yes. Okay, yes, I need all the butter. Here. And the olive oil. Yes. And the green peppers. What do you think? Oh, yes. Oh, just wait. I need to hang up. Your daughter's driving me insane. You just threw your soccer ball into that dirty man at $69.99. Help. So then after they passed me by as well, um, another woman walked by. So you don't want to give me a job. That's just, that's fine, that's fine, yeah. But I need you to know that just because I don't have a home does not mean I am not a person. Oh my goodness, what happened? Uh, I got mugged.
Will you join me in prayer? We are grateful today, O Lord, for our grandmother's prayers, our grandfather's dreaming, for the breath of our ancestors and your divine spirit that encircles us in love through all generations, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. Let me add my welcome this morning to all of you, especially to all of you grandparents who are visiting with us. Some of you are repeats, and we're glad to have you back. We, along with your grand students, are extremely pleased that you've come to campus today, and thanks for coming from all over uh, the country. And uh, I believe we have about 120 of you grandparents uh, for about 70 of our students, so we're so grateful that you're with us today. As I say every year at this time here at Goshen College, we love helicopter grandparents. Helicopter parents, not so much, but helicopter grandparents are great. We love grandparents who every now and then hover a bit over their grand students taking time to visit them as you have today here on campus. Thanks for coming. I recently read a great definition of a grandmother and a grandfather by a young schoolgirl who said this, a grandmother is a lady who has no children of her own but likes kids. <laughs> and I believe a grandmother once said, she, uh, she said, sort of along these lines, she said, boy, if I knew having grandkids were so great, I would have just skipped over having the kids part. Well, the little girl goes on and says, a grandfather is a man-grandmother who talks mostly about fishing and tractors. <laughs> well, I don't know about all of that, but grandparents are pretty cool people in part because sometimes they're so endearingly uncool. It may, it may be asking a lot of older people to get younger people and vice versa. The generation gap is pretty huge when you get right down to it. Some grandparents here today actually experience or at least remember a time when the old crank phone on a party line was a reality for them or their parents perhaps, or a time when getting photos from a roll of film took two weeks to develop and get back. They never imagined a day when the phone and camera and the developing lab would all be one and the same object that you could hold in your hand with pictures instantly created and developed and stored in the blink of an eye. This generation gap can sometimes be a very mixed bag. For example, Don Mill is a, I think he's 79 or 80 year old curmudgeon who has a blog called The Problem with Young People Today Is. Now he, he readily admits that all of his real friends are dead, which some, some uh, ways explains why the guy has so much time on his hands to write a blog called The Problem With Young People Today Is. And then he goes on and lists about 41 things and writes about them, about the problem of young folks today. I won't list all 41, but here are some of them. He said, they're tattooed freaks. They mumble all the time. They dress like morons. They all have cell phones. They can't drive worth crap. They never crack a book. They're afraid to get dirty, and they all swear like sailors. And then he goes on, it goes on downhill from there, swearing and cussing and chewing out the next generation all the way through. By contrast, a recent college student responded to the question, what do you think of old people? 
And he posts, old people are annoyingly slow, bad drivers, stubborn, set in their ways. They spend an unnecessarily long time doing boring things like making tea, putting a doily on a plate first before they put the biscuits on it, for instance. And then he goes on, they tell you pointless stories about how the bus stop opposite the church used to be further up the street years ago, or how there used to be a building in a particular place, but it's not there anymore. Now this sounds a lot like me, actually, and I don't have grandkids, but every time we go visit Tampa, where I grew up, I have to take the nostalgia tour, and of course, Quinn, our son, is sitting in the back seat, like rolling his eyes. He's heard this all before. But thankfully, the, the college student ends his, his comments slightly on a more hopeful note. He says, my views are subject to, subject to change with time. I think grandparents do pay less for car insurance, which is something to look forward to. <laughs> so there you have it. <clears throat> Perhaps the true wonder of grandparents' day at Goshen College is the fact that whatever our gap differences, whatever our generational oddities, we're here to celebrate and appreciate just how precious and tenuous, yet holy and strong, the link between generations can be. God created the world such that it is an anthropological fact of life. It's as certain as we're sitting here today that since time began, even if there was no life beyond the grave, even if there was no celestial world from which a grand cloud of witnesses, you know, that Apostle Paul talks about it, surrounding us, even if life as we know it ended when it ended from dust to dust, even then, even then, the grandma in me, the grandpa in you, the old people in us are in some ways become, live on in our voices, our hands, our feet, our eyes, our ears, our souls, and ourselves from generation to generation. It, in fact, does take a village to create a child. It takes a village to create a world. Each child born is a child of the universe. How much more is each child born a child of the creator, God of the universe, also? Ed Middlecrow, in his book, Dreaming of a True World, says it this way, I am my old people. He reminds us that whenever we lose the older generation, as we inevitably will and do in, in the very nature of things, it's like losing, what he says, a whole education department, a whole college, a whole company, a whole church, a whole world. Unless, unless we do our part to bring them back to life, as it were, in what we do, in who we become, and how we pass on the great lessons and learnings from that generation to this, and from this generation on into future generations. Let's face it, I'm guessing and here I'm speaking to all of you who've had grandparents, which I'm assuming are even grandparents in the room. All of us, all of, all of our grandparents, all of your grandparents argued with your mom and dad when they were teenagers or young adults too. And I'm guessing even then, in the middle of the arguments, deep down in your younger grandparents' souls, 
was the realization that one of the single most important purposes in their lives was born when they first held your teensy mom or your weensy dad in their arms for the very first time. And there and then, in all likelihood, they promised God and each other that they would do all in their power as God gave them strength to accept and not to fail in their duty to deliver your baby mom or your infant dad safely into adulthood, despite your teenage parents' natural acts of argumentation and rebellion. And you know what? Your parents promise the same about you. And you, in all likelihood, will promise the same for your children as well. We are our grandmother's prayers. We are grandfather's dreamings. We are the breath of our ancestors. Creation unfolded, and nature still unfolds in such a way that any given moment in time, the present tense has built within it, on average, three generations. Grandparents, parents, and grandchildren. Even before writing was known, communication across time depended on at least three generations to pass on memories, to pass on histories, to pass on the values, to pass on the stories of identity of, of the past. And most of the time, all the time almost, they, it was done orally before writing. And it was done dramatically oftentimes as well. The Bible's full of these kind of three generation uh, oral stories, and you hear it when they say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or, or uh, Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel. You hear that, that three-generational uh, passing on. The Good Samaritan story told so wonderfully this morning in drama and song by the parables, like the genre of parables itself, is an example of oral storytelling of stories that are passed on from generation to generation, and even Grimm's fairy tales. And There's a lot of studies done on oral tradition, and mostly it's, there was an identified storyteller, and oftentimes there was an older person who sat around the campfires, and then the parents picked up on the stories, and they would tell these stories, they would act them out in order to pass on to each new generation, a tuck here, a twist there, to make the story and its moral relevant to a new generation. In scripture, St. Paul blesses his young protege, Timothy, with the words every grandmother wishes to hear said of her. He writes, I call you to remember, Timothy, the genuine faith that is, in, is within you, which first was lived in your grandmother, Lois, and then in your mother, Eunice, and now, I see, lives in you as well. Dr. Issei Maria Barnwell, a founding member of the ensemble Sweet Honey in the Rock, wrote the words of the song sung by the parables this morning that resonates with the words of St. Paul to Timothy, we are our grandmother's prayers, we are our grandfather's dreaming. Dr. Issei Maria Barnwell was also professor of Howard University in the School of Dentistry for many years. She's an accomplished violinist, a singer, songwriter, author, and an actor. She just retired last year after 34 years singing with Sweet Honey. Her children's book, maybe you read that as a child or had it read to you, her children's book, No Mirrors in My Nana's House, captures in a different way the connection made between the little girl and her nana 
In the story, the little girl discovers the beauty of, in herself, not by looking in a mirror. For you see, there are no mirrors in my Nana's house, no mirrors in my Nana's house. So I never knew that my skin was too black, I never knew that my nose was too flat, because the beauty of everything, the beauty of everything was in her eyes, like the rising of the sun. By the end of the book, the little girl begins to sing her heart out. <clears throat> there are no mirrors in my Nana's house, no mirrors in my Nana's house. The world outside was a magical place. I only knew love, I never knew hate. And the beauty of everything, the beauty of everything was in her eyes, like the rising of the sun. And then something happens. In the last three lines of the book, something holy and precious from time immemorial in the voice of this little girl happens, almost in a mystical, unknowingly way, but a truly revelation in her own mind happens. A holy transfer takes hold like a revelation across the generations. And she concludes the book with the chant, Chow, look into my eyes. Chow, look deeply into my eyes. Chow, look deeply into my eyes. It's these kinds of intergenerational revelations that have always happened since time first began. Something almost magical, something mystical, something holy passes across the generational gap with an energy force so potent, so mighty, so fissionable, so forgiving, so merciful, so powerful, like the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of time, the before, the middle, and the climax of your story, of our stories, of God's story, all, as it were, collapsing in on themselves and sometimes even falling back into black holes, sometimes even dying, but then always blasting forth in revelation, in resurrection, forever and ever and ever. And that wonderful miracle takes place before our eyes across the generation gaps of time. We become our grandmother's prayers. We become our grandfather's dreaming. We become the breath of our ancestors. We become their values, their hopes, their faith, their futures, not in some rigid one-to-one -one correspondence. It wouldn't work that way. We each adapt these values, those hopes, those prayers, those dreams, those revelations to our times and to our futures as we know them. And the cycle goes on, and we become together the spirit of God's love, rising, 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 like the rising of the sun. One of the highest purposes of grandparents is simply put, to love you. In life, that is their story and your story. Grandparents are in, earlier are in the earlier chapters of the story, and those who come after come in later chapters of the story. Grandparents expect to die before you. 
So grandparents worthy of the name would willingly give their lives up for you if it meant a full and meaningful life for each younger generation. No questions asked. That's the power of generational love that crosses the generation gaps. But the transfer of love passes backwards in time through the present as well. Grandpas and grandmas may not tell you, but they need love from you too. And they need it from their grandchildren and their children's children. They can receive love from you in ways that aren't really possible to receive in the same way from their own children, from siblings, from each other, or from others. Call it the great gift of the generational gap. They need your love, not someone else's, yours. They're not asking you to lay down your lives for them as they would for you. It's not the way life is meant to be. So if, your grand, if you're a grand student here today, if your grandparents aren't here today, I'm making a simple request. Love them right up to the very last line of the very last chapter of their lives and do it, no questions asked. Today's a wonderful day to remember and celebrate this ancient cycle of love and life, the transfer of energy and dreams and prayers and values and love and life from one generation to the next and circling back again. So for just today, at least, let's imagine that there are no mirrors in this house of learning, no mirrors in this place, no mirrors in our Nana's house, no mirrors in our Opa's house. And the world outside is a magical place where we only know love, where we never know hate. And the beauty of everything, the beauty of everything is in her eyes, is in his eyes, is in our eyes, like the rising of the sun. Ciao. Look deeply in each other's eyes. Ciao. Look deeply in each other's eyes. Ciao. Look deeply in each other's eyes. Ciao. Thank you, President Brenneman. Um, at, during this time, we invite you to a time of prayer, and we will have some pictures of grandparents and their grandchildren um, going on a slide here. And I invite you to turn in your blue hymnal worship book to number 353. Um, Lord, listen to your children praying. And we will sing that three times.
Next, we'll sing 433 in the blue hymnal, Go My Children, number 433. And we'll all sing verse one. Grandparents will sing verse two. Students will sing verse three. And we'll all come back together on verse four. Please stand. by the love that has supported you and will continue to sustain you. Amen.